Hey, this is Akuya Jamfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Shut up. Wait, let me start again. Nani <laughs> Pekon, why am I being so yeah. stupid? But I, I just... don't know. Why are you being so stupid? <laughs> I don't know. I'm being more cautious <laughs> and stuff. Nani Pekon. It's Yoruba, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're a very, are you a typically Yoruba, Yoruba, Yorobian man? I don't know, I, my, my, <laughs> my dad is endlessly disappointed in me, so I think maybe not. Um, I'm trying, I'm getting my stews up. Oh man, why is he, dis- <laughs> why is he, is he really disappointed? He cannot be, the, the success and legacy that you've had as an actor. No, I'm, I'm joking, I just really <laughs> meant my, my, my cooking skills, but I'm trying, I'm trying. So what can you cook? <laughs> exactly. Oh no, seriously. Well, that, the other side of my family is Italian, so I, I think I've fared better in those dishes, okay. to be honest with you. So you're a good Italian but, um, chef, but not so much. Yeah, you. my dad is just a pretty incredible cook, so it's difficult to match, to be honest with you. My mum looks at my food, she's like, yeah, it's okay, but there's some things missing and whatever. Yeah. It's really hard to live up my, to. My grandma from Napoli, she always used to just leave out something from the recipes. Wow. <laughs> Why? So, so she could be like, well, I mean, it's good. And then everyone was like, yeah, but it's not as good as yours, Gamma. Oh, oh them sly ones there. <laughs> <was> sly, yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good tactic. I'm like, mm, this tastes good. What's the recipe? Yeah, leave too, out a few things. Too deep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying. Well, <laughs> Got our hands on there. Who's on the teaching you? Recipes. Who's teaching you? Uh, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning just watching and learning and trying out. And I had a, a friend who was teaching me how to cook good jollof, good proper, proper Nigerian jollof, obviously. Um, and, uh, Alex, can you take time? <laughs> let's not, let's not even. <laughs> let's not. Alex, we don't want to dominate this whole, turn this interview go to sour. You know, you don't want to upset. Sideways after the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want it to go sideways. <laughs> you're going to, you're learning how to cook a jollof. We'll leave it at that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it is so good to talk to you because I feel like it's been, I've been aware of your career, I've been aware of who you are and we just have never been able to have a conversation and I just... No, for real. It's been a while. Um, how are you? How is this acting life treating you? Good, yeah. Happ- happiness. I, uh, I was just, I think, saying today is, was a good day. I've been uh, back at my old drama school and uh, sitting in on a panel for the auditions for like, you know, the new prospective students. So that's always endlessly fascinating. You so learn a lot about people. What's your, what was your drama school? Uh, I went to RADA. Okay. In, uh, yeah, central London. So you get, you kind of, uh, you spend a lot of time wandering around, you know, making friends with the locals down there. Yeah. And, uh, and it's always nice to go back. People come in, they're so nervous or like, they've got, you know, you see that, there's a certain responsibility to give them their moment to really chase their dreams, you know. So how is it like, so do they call ex-RADA alumni to come in and do these auditions? Is that their way of saying, look, mm. let's get people who've actually been there, done that, um, to give a fair yeah. view, maybe? Of, that's, that, that's exactly what okay. it is, yeah. And um, actually, funnily enough, theatre director, her name is Nona Shepherd, and she was on the panel when I did my audition and wow. I left drama school in 2007. So this would have been so 2003. Mm. So, and so she was, she was doing the panel this morning as well. And um, yeah, her and uh, another 
director who passed away sadly recently, Jenny Buckman. Mm-hmm. And they were they were my first introduction to Rado. And, and uh, I think they like to keep the legacy there. Yeah, I think I think it's a great idea because it's no better than um, having your peers kind of I say judging, but it's not judging. It's like assessing. I mean, it's judging in a way, but you know what I mean. It's nice to have people who've been there, done that. Because I suppose as a director running a school, you get disconnected from what it's like out there. So yeah, that's... exactly. And training isn't for everybody, and mm. you know people come to it at different times in their lives, and you know also I guess for the most part, a lot of us are slightly younger, so we're kind of closer to the generation that are that are thinking about training yeah. um, and maybe some of the other members of staff, you know. So is um, your director proud of you or is she like, mm, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, it's like every drama school. It's like, when did you, what year were you in? Oh, yeah, yeah. They see so many kids, of course. Yeah, you go. I remember going back to my old school once and another teacher that I was really very fond of and I was like, oh, hey, you know, and they didn't even, they were like, wait, who are you? Oh, no, crushing. <laughs> oh, no. Just the sheer number of students that they'd seen in, like, you know, the, the 20 years since I've been there, they were just like, oh, it's just all a blur, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. It's That's pretty heartbreaking. You know, you've got this teacher that, like, you changed my life. And, you, I mean, who are you? Or either, the other thing is... <laughs> and they're like, yeah, Alan? you. No, no, it's Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're that. No, my mum said to me that actually, as an anecdote, my mum said to me the other day, she was cracking up. She was saying, "I remember when there was a teacher. I came in for parents' evening, and he said your daughter talks to me like I'm a piece of poo." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I remember that teacher. He was a great English teacher, but he has really bad memories of me." And I like, I actually really liked him. So. Uh, yeah. I wonder how he feels yeah. now. Oh, that's great. He's, yeah, he's probably <laughs> shy. He's, you know, he's probably moved on. Probably. I'd like to think that he would have liked to think that he's moved on. Exactly, because many moons ago. So, Rada, you're, you know, you're, it's, you're a lucky one, I guess, to have been through something, a prestige institution like Rada. What did you take away from that? And do you still have class memories and tips and tactics that you apply to today, where you are today? Or is it you had the training and you've evolved past Rada kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think any of those top drama schools, they're all much of a muchness, really, like, oh, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, certain ones carry a name or a history, but the, tra- the training, um, I mean, there's, you know, slight differences, but the, the, the essentials they teach you are, are much the same across the board. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, certainly, I, f- I feel very fortunate, mainly because it's a safe space to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's the main thing I think I had there was able just to fall over and like dust myself off and try again, you know, without the kind of reviews. I hear you. So tell us about your new character, your, your, well, new role in um, Riviera. You're coming in for Mm. season two and Mm. tell us about your character. Uh, Rafi, um, he's a very successful man and comes from a wealthy family, but has made a lot of money himself in business and him and his new wife Daphne played by Poppy Delavine and the rest of her family her twin brother played by Jack Fox and her mother uh, played by Juliet Stevenson we all descend into the Riviera and I guess we come in as like um, a new family to to stir things up a little bit and uh, cause a little mayhem where we go yeah so Rafi's troublesome okay you know I know you're not going to tell me the storyline but yeah I mean are there any significant moments that in Rafi's um Rafi's uh uh, journey in this second season that we need to look out for? Well, I'll be honest, actually, like, you know, I've played a lot of, uh, over the years, oh, I've played a lot of sort of spies and yeah. police officers and, you know, uh, like army people and mm. th- those kind of roles. And also I've played a few kind of like duplicitous, calculating, mm. um, antagonist type roles. 
So actually, it was quite nice to watch Rafi is in, in many ways like an honourable man. And actually, sometimes to his detriment. And that was kind of nice to approach because it was a departure from some of the stuff I've been doing more recently. So I actually really enjoyed that, just spending a bit of time with someone who's who really believes in family above all else and, you know, will do anything for his family. OK, so we'll look out for those little things. But what, So what's it like joining a, a team that's already been together? Because you know, they've had their first season, so obviously there's a yeah. sort of bonding on set and a sort of in-house joke. So I don't know what it's like. Even how you feel about the audience receiving you guys as a new addition to the story. You know, people are being really sensitive about Game of Thrones in a different kind of comparison. Like, right, people right, get right. their teeth into a series and fall in love with the characters and the storyline. So what's it like, you know, you're taking on a bit of a legacy, especially with its success. Yeah, you don't want to mess it up. That's no, for sure. no. Yeah, and uh, and obviously it was the first season was um incredibly successful. Yeah. I mean, I think it had something like twenty million downloads of the box set, which makes it sort of essentially Sky's biggest show. So yeah, you're pressure. you're aware, you're aware that to a certain extent that there is going to be eyes on you and pressure. Mm. Um, I, I was quite fortunate in that I've worked with uh, quite a few people in that cast before. Okay, like I worked with Dimitri uh, Leonardis. Um, we did a job together in Morocco a few years ago so we were you know, ambling about the desert on camels and uh, <laughs> Lena Olin who plays his mother in the show we did an, uh, an American thing for ABC in, in Prague a few years mm. ago Juliet Stevenson I've worked with before so I actually took a lot of the pressure off and I was I, when I knew that I was uh, or when I was asked to go into the show should I say and I knew that Juliet was doing it and obviously I knew about Lena and Dimitri I was kind of excited because I, I knew how good they were and then I looked more at the show and, and obviously Julia Stiles her ability and that experience speaks for itself sure. so you, you kind of get some of that I don't know fear or anxiousness out of the way but that's half the battle anyway how do yeah. you or how have you in the past overcome any kind of anxiety of coming into a place where you don't know anyone on set from the creators behind the camera to the people on that you're going to be sharing the um, story with how what kind yeah. of tips do you have what do you do like you often say, well, hi, you know, my name's Alex. And, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I, I seem to travel a lot for work. So I, I end up being off in the back of beyond somewhere. And if you're going into something that is well-worn, like it's been going for a while, and you're coming into the piece, obviously there's well-established relationships, sometimes well-established hierarchies too. Mm. And uh, everyone has their own choices to make. But for me personally, I feel like it's important just to be yourself. Yeah, for sure. And understand that like, whilst it's all fun and games, for some people, it's like, we're here at this o'clock and then I've got to go home and see my kids or yeah. I've got to go home and pick up my kids from school or I've got to go and, you know, I've got to finish writing this thing or making this thing or I've mm. got new lines to prep. And it becomes very professional and the atmosphere is one of kind of like camaraderie, but also you don't have to uh, be the best of friends and everybody I on every you. job, you know what I mean? Actually, yeah. what's, what people most respect is someone who comes in, turns up and brings their A game. You know, and, and actually, if you find yourself doing that quickly, a lot of that other stuff kind of fades away. And falls into place naturally anyway. So that, yeah, that's mm, Yeah, I think so. So I was going to say, because talking about the characters that you've played, because mm. you are mixed race, there's a lot of conversation about being of mixed heritage and where people fit, especially specifically speaking about the black-white mixed race uh, dynamic, mm. where sure. you fit in this space in the world. Mm. Has it been a hindrance or a benefit? Because I guess you get to, I mean, Rafi, I'm assuming isn't a half Nigerian, half white guy. He's probably more... No, he's like North African, right, uh, exactly. you know, like uh, Middle Eastern extraction. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and I did my research about that. You know, I mean, I do have North African in my heritage as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a longer answer, to be honest with you. 
if you travel and you will see yourself contextualized differently in different countries. Mm. So I've worked in South Africa a couple of times and there I will be very specifically coloured. Yes. And with that, as they would call it. And that's its whole thing. And it has its whole history. Mm. And when you walk around Robben Island and you see that, like, you know, the coloureds were treated differently from the blacks, the Bantu. And, you know, if you, you might get, like, an extra bit of jam at breakfast if you were coloured. Wow. Or you might get an extra blanket in the winter. I mean, it's so deep. Mm. And uh, and if you try to share that or if you try to de- de- refuse it or give it away, the punishments for those people were so severe. I mean, like, horrifically severe wow. to be a deterrent for other people. Mm. So they create a system and then do everything in their power to define it over and over again for the generations that come after. Yeah. So when you go there now to work, and I've worked there on, I think, two different jobs, like you, you can see there's a lot of dismantling to still to do. Yeah. But then you go to America and you're black because of the one drop rule history. Yeah. And so that's a completely different contextualizing of race, mm. you know. And so then you come back to Britain and I grew up here. Although I spent a lot of time over the last few years in America, as much time probably in America as here over mm. the last few years. And I think I was called half-caste when I was a kid. I think that's yeah, what the term back in was. The day, yeah. And then that evolved into various different terms. And, you know, my dad was always with the mentality that, like, black is a construct. And so socio-politically, let's say, like, you're black. Like, mm. you can be mixed race, mixed heritage and black. Those things aren't mutually exclusive, yeah. you know, um, especially coming from that kind of American context. In. And I guess I still sort of have that philosophy for myself. I, I did an anthropology degree before before yeah, drama school. And so you learn that anthropology, of what everybody knows that, the, you know, race is a construct, that there is only one race technically, the human race, mm. but we are culturally and ethnically defined. Mm. And people have used phony science to say all kinds of things, you know. But in truth, that doesn't mean there isn't still prejudice based on those things, you know. Has it been a hindrance to your career or an advantage that you haven't necessarily had to think about? I think it's been both because I do believe that I have, like, an inherent privilege because I'm light-skinned, like, Mm. in society. That's my personal belief. I'm sure some people may disagree. But I also think that storytelling is about archetypes. Mm. And what is the archetype of the mixed-race man? Yeah. And what is the archetype of the dark-skinned black man? What is the archetype of the mixed-race woman, the, mul- the, the old mulatto stories? Yeah. What is the mixed-race equivalent comparatively? And I think that when stories are created and archetypes are perpetuated not by us, i.e. people of colour, mm. um, and you go into an industry that is, you know, majority white, white and male, let's say, then you find yourselves perpetuating these stereotypes and tropes. And I, for one, I'm very aware of that. And that's very difficult to stomach at times. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the, the trope of the black unit is usually often the darker skinned man and say the lighter skinned woman. Yeah. And we're breaking those barriers down. We're trying to dismantle those old archetypes. So, you know, as a mixed race man, I've definitely had benefits, but I've also found myself coming up against the edges of those archetypes uh, on a pretty, uh, pretty frequent basis. So, that, I mean, you've, you have directed and created your own stuff. You had a short called Run. Mm. That's our Nath- yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wonderful Natalie Emmanuel. Um, so is that something that you're going to do more of, going into more creating and creating stories that are more authentic to you, whatever, whatever that is, not necessarily sticking to the mixed race story, but just mm. general stories that suit you as, because you've done a lot. You've got had, you know, you do radio drama, you do stage, you're on screen. So is this now you're, you're starting to push into that space where you want to create stories for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I guess the truth of it is that I, I wrote before I did anything else. Yeah. And uh, that was really my first passion. 
Okay. And um, the you know I, I do as you said I do radio I do a radio series called The Interrogation which I've been doing for eight years now and it's written by Roy Williams <laughs> Roy Williams OBE as we like to yeah the Mr Playwright indeed yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's you know he's an amazing man and, yeah. and a wonderful playwright and obviously over the last decade of knowing him and talking to him about his journey in the industry and talking to other playwrights and, and writers, what you come up against time and time again is that, you know, you walk into a room with five pitches, for, you know, five different ideas, and the one that they go for isn't necessarily the story you want to tell. Of course. You know what I mean? And again, to echo the earlier part of the conversation, but things are changing. And I think that it's important for us to make our own content. And when I say us, actually, I really, I mean, everybody who has a desire to express themselves, you know, we shouldn't be beholden to other people's ideas of us. We should be contributing to conversation to, to the narrative landscape. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I believe very passionately in, in making your own stuff and putting that out there into the world. Yeah. Okay, so what's next for you? What kind of stuff that's out there that you want to be a part of, that you wish you were a part of? Like, you wish you were one of the Avengers mm. or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm mainly, as I said, I'm sort of focused on my own stuff right now. Mm -hmm. So um, the the short, um, you know, yeah, I, 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 which um, I mean, took around to several festivals last year and kind of put together a pitch around that, which um, is now going to be made into a feature. So that's the next stage of that. And myself and my writing partner are just reworking the script at the moment. And we've been sitting down with producers and production companies to try and get that money raised so that we can make that. The plan will be to push into that as soon as possible. So that my main focus right now is okay. um, aside from the day job of acting and is uh is really about um yeah getting getting that off the ground and you know we're pretty far down the road but we've got a ways to go and it's a difficult mountain to climb but especially with the way in which movies are being made now you know very very small budget or, or mm. very very big budget and it's pretty hard to get stuff in the middle range made but we're very confident especially with people's reception to the short and the pitch that that we can get that done and everything else is one of the joys about being in a profession is that you never know what's around the corner yeah for true so you kind of have to give yourself up to the gods of fate so to speak you know and that's kind of part of the fun of it is just literally one day you're like sitting on your sofa the next you're like next day you're getting on a plane somewhere and it's yeah. like it's, it's just such a crazy business I'd like to do more theatre. I haven't done theatre for a while. When I first left drama school, I, you know, I, I did a fair amount and um, worked with some incredible people and really sort of learnt so much from them. Is there a but, um, um, sorry? Is there, is there a play out there that you really want to get your teeth into? Because so, there is so much going on in the stage and it's really evolving, and a lot mm, more diverse uh, theatre directors and creatives are. Behind the as well. Yeah, I mean, nothing that springs to mind immediately because um, I'm going to go and see Betrayal tonight and okay. I saw Sweet Charity la last night at the Don also not, and then I'm going to go and see uh, Death of a Salesman. I was going to say, have like, you seen that yet? Because I can't wait to see no, it. No, have you seen it? No, one of my writers went, but i see if I can mm. get to see it later. Don't I want to go and see the new Ibsen that um, Tom Burke's doing. There's mm. a lot of great stuff and um, a lot of great talent on show. I'm just excited to see what people are doing and to contribute with my own stuff, you know. That's really my fundamental belief is sure. that you have to... It's great to kind of want to be a part of the show, so to speak, but you should make your own thing as well. Yeah, just get out and then do it for yourself. Well, that's... Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. So I'm looking forward to... I didn't, To be honest, I didn't watch season one because it didn't feel like it was for me. 
because you're in it, I'm going to give season well, two a go. Well, I'm definitely bringing a little bit of colour to the Riviera. Yeah. Adrian true. Lester blessed them with his presence in the first season. <laughs> yeah. And I'm definitely doing the same this time around. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Listen, it's sometimes with these kind of projects, you know, the people involved are very aware, especially in today's climate. Yes. About what they are and are not doing. And I think that they do try to... Um, they have to be seen to be trying. And, yes. and I think very much so production companies are nowadays. And so there was a great bunch of people and I, and I had a lot of fun down there. I was six months in the south of Parch. You can't complain, really, can you? No, you can't. Slightly jealous. We can, but we shouldn't. <laughs> well, I, I can complain about you getting all the jobs, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I looked in your bio and you said you were a journalist. If, anytime you want to do articles, I beg you, <laughs> come send me an article, man. Yeah, I did writers. that. I started out more in the music side of things. I found myself sitting in dark rooms watching movies and listening to albums and writing reviews about them and I just was like I want to be making stuff making stuff yeah 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 because the stuff I was listening to and watching just just kept inspiring me when it was good to want to go and make my own stuff you know it was obviously the right path that you're in I forgot to mention you were in a hip hop group (laughs) yeah Yeah, you were yeah yeah. is that embarrassing memory No, not at all. I, you know, listen, there are people in the group who did do incredibly well, you know, and be like win every award there is possible. Like, I'm incredibly proud of those guys. And some people left the profession entirely and mm. went off. And honestly, it's so crazy. Every version of our life, it seems, between the, the group has been led. And so all the good ones and the bad ones, you know. But for the most part, people are just still here. And for all of us, whenever, you know, sporadically, people talk I think one of the most amazing things is just seeing how the music industry has evolved over the last 20 years I'm so like when I see the way that kind of there's a real vibrant UK scene now that is loved all over the world yeah that's incredible to me and I think something that a lot of people didn't think would ever happen absolutely it makes all the more beautiful that it has you know yeah definitely most definitely I came up in the old school hip hop era and it's like you would dare not rap in an Amer- um, English accent You'd ha- everyone was faking it so to see now and <laughs> hearing Americans pick up the cockney is mad so yeah um, I think when we were like you know 12 or 15 13 we were rapping with American accents and yeah. we were, as a, in a group we were never and as individuals we never rapped with American accents but we were we, we were very much in the in the hip hop side of things rather than and I think simultaneously there was a I guess a kind of garage, UK garage, speed yeah. garage, grime, like growth. And that was really, you know, the UK chart in its own yeah. path. But that was always the way it was going to grow. And I think the same goes for our homegrown work here. You know, you see like uh, um, Michaela and Arinze yeah, in the musical sure. that they did in Che's musical, you know, and I've uh, been so long. And it's like, it's stuff like that. that um, or, you know, for me, one of my favourite British films, Storm Damage, that Lenny yes. James did. Yes, that you can't. I remember I couldn't even get it on DVD. I couldn't get it. I had to go down to the um, uh, BFI and watch it in the BFI library. Oh, that wow, yeah. For that film. And you see, like, you know, 16-year-old, whatever he is, Ashley Waters, you see it. You know, Lenny James is this incredible talent who should have been nurtured as a writer Absolutely. and a director as well, as well as the amazing actor he is. But, you know, nowadays we're seeing um, 
you know, we're seeing that more and more. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's an incredibly exciting time. It sure is. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been really good talking to you. Very proud of you. Thank you oh, so much for what you do. Bless you. I'm tired, man. We need, we need more people. We need more people like you out here doing oh, this good work. I appreciate you know? what you're saying. I think as you're saying, well, thank you to me, but thank you to you guys because the fact that stuff is emerging and we're evolving and we're creating this industry, it's what's keeping me busy because it's been amazing to be able to talk about so much stuff that's coming out of the UK, which is amazing. See.